Hey, and thank you for listening to Trilove. This is Jason. What you're about to hear is an offbeat kind of bonus episode about a showcase of experimental animation pieces that the Trilon is presenting on March 3rd. There's a link in the show notes where you can get tickets and more information about the actual event, but it is eight animated short films from the 60s and 70s, all pulled from the Cult Film Collective's growing 16mm collection. John invited the Trilove crew for an advanced screening earlier this month, and I'll leave the exact films uh, that they picked a secret because it's kind of nice to be surprised, honestly. But suffice to say, it is a dynamite lineup of super weird, super creative, kind of super anti-capitalist stuff even, um, at least some of which I'm pretty sure you've never heard of before. I certainly hadn't. Anyway, the folks at the Trilon are really excited to start showing more 16, uh, starting with this showcase, and we're really excited to see more of it. So in this conversation, we talked to John Moret, the Trilon's film programmer, about where he found all this stuff, what makes 16mm such a special format, and a little bit about his plans to make the Trilon a registered film archive, and whether or not that's really a good fit for the Trilon in particular. It's a really uh, candid, uh, wonderfully frank conversation about a lot of really interesting topics. Um, but on a listening note, we recorded this in the lobby of the Trilon with us and John Masked uh, Distance and sitting around a single Yeti mic. So the audio quality leaves a little bit to be desired, honestly, but I still hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. I was uh, trying to think of stuff we could do to get you guys involved. Yeah. It's weird to try to get people into the building now. No, we we love it. Thank you so much for making the time. Um, So I will make the best use of your time by asking to start. You touched on this a little bit in your essay, but um, what is it about 16 millimeter? Is it just that it was widely available? How did all this kind of stuff end up on 16? Sure. So I feel like there's a there's a few things about film that are, you kind of have to be like steeped in it for it to not be too wonky to be interesting. Mm-hmm. So I could do this in one way that's like really boring, or I could just... So anyway, uh, to that point, um, 16 was what collectors could get cheaper. Mm-hmm. And so if you wanted stuff that was like risky to get out there, like if you wanted to do experimental stuff, if you wanted... Um, to do stuff that was like not super commercial, you would do it on 16. Because it wasn't eight millimeter, it wasn't amateur, it wasn't home video, right? Or home home movies. But it also wasn't 35, so you didn't have to have the giant machine, it wasn't right. as heavy, you could sure. do more stuff. Um, so students would use 16 in uh, at like USC and stuff like George Lucas and Coppola, those guys started on 16. Oh, okay. Corman would usually shoot on 16 because it was cheap. Um, it was just it was just a much cheaper format. Right. So the, the cheapness of it allowed that. Also, places could have 16 millimeter projectors pretty cheaply. So like a library, a school, a film club, you could buy a 16 millimeter projector for you know, a few hundred bucks, mm-hmm. and a 35 projector you needed like huge exhaust system and you need you know there's a whole different situation where this one you could just plug in at home right so it was like because of that there was a market especially because the college campuses could rent these films so if you sent you if you made a film like i have this movie called run which i think i've shown before and it's super weird right and some guy just in like brooklyn made this movie sent it to like one of these companies like Swank or whatever these companies were. And then yeah, as, a, as a college, you could just rent these films. Okay. They, they could be shown. Okay. So um, so I think I think it's the stuff that's on 16 that's weird is because it's the only format it could be put in. Where so now I guess you could put it on YouTube or something, but then it falls into the abyss of like all the content and never yeah. gets found. Where there was a moment where it's like you could shoot Night of the Living Dead on 16 with your friends. 
and it could take a year, and then it would show it driving. Right, right. You, know, you like, would actually end up seeing it. Right, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Um, you just talked about the prevalence of uh, animation in your yeah. 16 collection. Yeah. To what do you owe that? Have you just been selecting? Or well, is it... well so, so, okay, so there was a, um, the Chicago Film Society was like, they inherited a huge collection of 16 from the Chicago Library when the library got this enormous new collection of 35. And so the Film Society was like, well, we can't have all this stuff. We need to dump it because we don't have room for it either. And so I heard through somebody who was like a student that this was happening. And I was like, what do you mean they're dumping it? And she's like, they're dumping it. Like, it's going to go in the garbage next month. Jesus. And so I was like, okay. So Andy and I, and Andy's the one who um, designs all the posters for the Cult Film Collective. And stuff. Yeah. So, so Andy and I jumped in, the, we rented a truck and drove down. And like we had sent it, like we had asked for the list of what they had. And it was like just enormous. And I didn't know what 90% of it was. Sure. Right? So I was like, well, pull anything that's Disney or animated or kid friendly. Because I feel like that stuff at some point could be worth something. Yeah, yeah. And then I also was like, and then all these titles that I'm like, I recognize either a name or where it was shot or something. And so we came back with these thousands of pounds of film. I mean, just piled. And I didn't know what any of it was, you know, like, like I had no idea. Um, and then I had kids who were six months old. So we all, we just put it all in Andy's basement. And then it sat there for like five years. And then they were going to start kindergarten. And I was like, yes. And then there was this pandemic and we didn't have kindergarten. Anyway, so we finally, um, they're finally in school. And so that started in the spring of last year. And so I started devoting like five to 10 hours a week into inspection, identifying what it is, for that, putting it on screen. Thousand pounds of film. Yeah. Jesus. Christ. So, so it was a, it was a, you know, it became that, and then it became into like, well, that's not enough time. So when yeah. the kids go to bed, I'll go down and I'll keep doing that anyway. Okay. Um, and then I would just show stuff when they were home, and they'd wander down and they'd be like, "What is this?" I'd be like, "Go upstairs. You don't know what. To get out of here." Um, so, um, and it, and so this collection was enormous, but as this was happening, I also was collecting of other stuff. So like, there's. There's always some older guy in the suburbs who, like, his wife is like, I'm done with your stuff. And he's like, okay, I got to get it out. And then he just wants to dump it, you know. And so if you're just watching for it or I think now I'm kind of the guy that's known as, like, the guy who will take your film. Mm -hmm. So I end up with all this crazy stuff. Hell yeah. And um, there's, I mean, I have piles of stuff that are totally worthless to me. But then I also have all these gems, you know. Right. But I think I have like a 10 hour documentary on Henry VIII that I'm like, I want you to unload this garbage, but I don't know where, <laughs> I don't want to put it in the, in the actual garbage. Yeah, I want yeah. it to go somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, so what was the process like of narrowing down those 60 odd animation pieces you've got to the, this list of six? Yeah, so it's eight films. Eight. And, then I, and then I included one at the very beginning that's like a pre-show thing as well, yeah. that I thought was like experimental, but not, didn't fit within the program exactly. Okay, yeah. Because um, it didn't have, it didn't kind of fit the theme of like what I was going for, which is either childhood imagination or resistance to like, you know, I kind of felt like those things kind of intertwined in my Very head awesome. about how that works. Um, so it sort of had to fit the profile of what I wanted for this show. Okay. Um, and I, if you, you guys have come to the Trilon Club stuff, so you've seen a bunch of the other weird stuff that I have. So, Watching all this, it's a matter of like, how do I, after I watch it all and catalog it, start connecting dots to like what makes sense together? 
Okay. Right? So, like, different shows and stuff. So, I want to do, um, I have a print of uh, Death Race 2000. Oh, wow. And I have a print of um, George Lucas's uh, THX 1138 4EB, oh. which is the student film he did before yeah. he did the thing. Yeah. And so, I, like, like, so, in my mind, those are connected to, like, 70s dystopic, strange science fiction. Yeah. How do I connect those and find something to go with those? Okay, so thematically rather than format. Right, so so in my mind, some of the animation stuff I have fits into that program better than this one, so that I set it aside. Okay, is, is that your perfect vision? Is like having tiers of just integrating 16 into your regular program? Yeah, well, and it will be some of that for sure. Like, uh -huh. if you saw all the marbles, I was like, this yeah. is a find that no one has. Yeah. Like, there's no way to see this except for this, so I'm doing it. Um, but for the most part, it's going to be more like, I'm going to do Thursday nights every couple months, that it's just like a special 16 mystery show. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this was a good way to start, like, show up, there's going to be really interesting stuff on here, trust me. Yeah. And I'm hoping to build something that's like a every other month 16 thing, okay. that's just kind of like show up and see what you get. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, that's been what I'm hoping for. That's been one of the greatest surprises, is either before Con Clubs or even yeah. before. Yeah. Just seeing what you pulled this time. It's just like so weird. There's so much weird stuff. Yeah. yeah. And it was a different time, right? So, like, it was like, you used to be, like, you wanted to know how to make, okay, for instance, the Better Bag Lunch, right? Yeah. Now you would be like, I'm going to YouTube, like, how, how do I make a bag lunch for my kids? Back then it was like, you rent this weird 16 thing that, like, shows, gives you ideas for yeah. how to, you know, or you show it to, like, a class of home ec students. Or yeah. It seemed like a home ec thing for sure. Yeah, it's just super <laughs> weird, right? Like, yeah. and that's the thing about 16 is it was full of oddities. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. just the weirdest stuff. Like, I'm, I'm thinking of doing, a, like, a Disney cast-off Thursday. It's like, here's all the Disney stuff that they either don't want you to see because it's racist, <laughs> or or that you they, they don't have any place for it because it's three minutes and it doesn't work as anything else. Like, do you remember... Um, for the horathon, I found like a weird Halloween one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, stuff like that that they just threw to, they slapped it together and sent it out as like a commercial. It was like clearly not original animation. No, of course. Yeah, yeah they take it from like different Disney stuff that they uh -huh. made, right? Uh -huh. So, um, so in that way, like as I see it all, I'm just trying to start to make sense of like what, what is it that I have here that's special? Yeah, yeah. You know, because some of this stuff you could get from other collectors or archives, but plenty of it. I don't think they even hold on to it. Because they're like, why do I need this Pepsi commercial? And I'm like, because it's amazing, that's why. Because it exists. Because it exists. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, I have a, a, I think I have 16 Pepsi commercials that were cut together. <laughs> wow. And they're all different variations on the same theme, but it's all about drink Pepsi, get thin. You're going to lose weight by drinking Pepsi. This is the, jo the choice of the next generation of people who want to be thin and healthy, and they drink Pepsi. Oh, man. And it's like it's like over and over, and as you watch these, you're like, this is something. Like, I don't know what this is. That is such a strange byproduct of the democratization of filmmaking yes. 16. Because yes. like you said in, in your essay, it's cheaper, yes. it was easier to get a hold of, yes. it was easier to present, uh, and yet you have Pepsi making it slimmer. Totally. As well. well, and the other thing is, is for this one, for instance, they also use it for television broadcasts. Hmm. So, like, it used to be you got a 16 print, and you had some type of mixing that you could, you'd have a feature or the news or whatever on one reel and you'd be running it and then you'd switch to a different one and then that reel would run huh. and then you'd switch, and then you'd like, that's how you did television. Yeah. Television with a live performance like projection. Yeah, yeah. And so, so this Pepsi stuff was for television, I'm assuming. Yeah. But I have stuff like, I have that and then I have like a garage door guy that's like a local guy in Stillwater that had a garage door company and it's like, it's insane. It's like, 
and, and, and this, this came from a, a guy who was a professor at the U of M who was like teaching commercial something something. And so he had all these things and he was retiring. And he's like, I hear you like this stuff. I'm like, yes, let me see it. Nice. And it's insane. Yeah. Like some of this stuff, I'm like, you get some of the outtakes to it at the very end because they uh -huh. hadn't cut it yet. It like wasn't ready. And so like one time the guy kind of bumps his head and he's like this at the very end and it cuts <laughs> and you're like, whoa! Like that's so worth something. Like that's so yeah. interesting. Uh, well, so you've got this fire and forget commercial stuff and then you've also yeah. got like this check animation that's right. like utilizing the form of 16 to that's commentate right. on it. And like exactly. it's, it's this incredible sort of like anti-capitalist statement it's that's so found strange. In, in a history and an animation and all of that stuff exists alongside and is created via the same process mm -hmm. that fucking get slim pepsi commercials <laughs> exactly that's right it's wild yeah, that's right exactly and and i think that that's actually why um why being a, a an, an recognized archive is becoming less and less attractive to me yes yeah. because there's something about it that to me like there i was looking into becoming one and so i should probably step back so that the idea of becoming a registered archive within the national archives was an idea to be like listen i bet people want to show this stuff I should make it available. Yeah. Um, and the more I looked into it, the more it was like the process by which they want you to be that takes away the strangeness of it all, right? Right. Like they want you to, for one thing, focus on something. So they're like, what is your focus as an archive? Is it on Eastern European animation? Is it this? And I'm like, no, it's on stuff that I think is fascinating. Hmm. You know, so, it's, so there's some of that too where they're like, how would you like to be recognized? What would be your focus? What would be this? Is that all like miscellaneous, just weird, the weird shit column? I think that they're like, that's for collectors. That's for weirdos. Huh. And I'm sort of like, that's much more attractive to me. And yeah. again, as an anti-capitalist thing where it's like, these are mine now. Yeah. You, I, right. And like, they want me to connect to like the rights holder from 1972 right. on whatever. And I'm like, I don't want the rights holder to have this. Like. Uh -huh. Well, so especially me, because the rights holder is never the creator. It's always exactly. the corporation that. Exactly. Yeah. And somebody who like, Whoever put out, you know, chromophobia, for one thing, they're probably defunct and not there anymore. Yeah. And so therefore it couldn't be a part of the archive anyway because they're like, this is unregisterable, you can't have it. So, or you can't rent it out, right? The other aspect of it is, um, you know, if you want to do this stuff, you have to find a way to make it commercially appropriate. All right, so Personally, I go to garage sales and thrift stores and yeah. estate sales and shit. Yeah. I see 16 millimeter. Do I buy it and bring it here? Would that be helpful? Or yes. Bad? Is that a recommendation for people? To yes. Yeah. Definitely. Even if I don't know what's on it. No, I mean, it, even if it's crap, it's yeah. worth looking at because you never know. Okay. And then, I mean, I'm definitely of the opinion that like the stuff that people throw out is not worth throwing out. Oh, yeah. Somebody's going to appreciate it in one way or another. Okay. Um, like, for instance, Barry was at a... Uh, uh, like a, an airplane memorabilia something, right? He loves airplanes. He's going to check it out. And I'm like, okay, right, whatever. He comes back to me and he's got these three 16 printers. And I'm like, what are these? And he's like, I don't know. Let's check it out. So we put them on and they're like, one of them's like an advertisement to visit New York City. And it's like a woman goes on like a whirlwind tour of the best New York you could possibly have. And it's like, it's like a fictional film with like music and it's just totally insane and it's like i don't know what purpose this has but i'm glad we have it yeah and that's that mindset that just bring it just have it yeah that collected that's incompatible with the whole registry well i mean it really is because it's um one well, and, and i guess it is and it isn't like 
these people want stuff to get saved or they wouldn't have an archive system, right? Like they think it's worth saving. I think the difference is like, if you're the walker, if you're a legitimate archive, um, then you are set on doing one thing, right? Like, like you are like, how can we be recognized within a, the culture of archivism in order to, you know, have value in our collection? And I'm more like the value is in what's there, whether it's hodgepodge or not. Like it's, I'll make sense of it in one way or another. And to me, it's much more like a, I put this in that uh, in that essay a little bit as well. But the idea of the 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 film club to me is like what's super interesting about what this is about is it's about finding new stuff together that we can all appreciate as people who like one old things and like technology that's no longer useful for most people but also just a time that wasn't that different from ours right like like it's it's a way to connect to like the human experience the 20th century, whether it be the 40s, the 50s, or the 70s, is not that different than what we're doing now. Our technology is different, but our experience is the same, right? Like that sense of resistance against uh, an oppressive government that's in a lot of these shorts is exactly what we were all feeling three years ago or last January. Or yesterday. When, or yesterday, when we were all like, Okay, what, do I need to be ready for this now? Right. What is this? Like that's a sense that humans have had since at least the 1900s, right? When they felt that they deserved to have some autonomy and some choices of their own. Like once they realized that that was an option. Yeah. It's been sort of a constant resistance to like who's trying to control me, whether it be a corporate or governmental or whatever, and how do I make my own decisions? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's you know, I work a 10-hour day on Thursday, uh, and I can't sleep because I'm too stressed out about Friday. And then on Saturday, I come and I watch The Nightmare, right? That's right. It's like, there that's it is. Right. That's right. That's right. It's, it's exactly. amazing. It's, it's that's right. right. That's right. And, it, and it's, it's cathartic Yeah. in one way, but it's also, it's a sharing of a human experience that connects you to everyone else around you, right? Yeah. It's exactly opposite of what the watching Fox News would do to your brain, right? It's exactly opposite of that corporate-owned division situation that like drives profits but kills people, right? So, um, so to me, in that way, like there's that element of archivism that I love that brings people. But there's also the funny element of the Pepsi stuff that you're like, I can laugh at this corporate way that things were sold to people at that time mm -hmm. and yet is it that different than what i'm being sold yeah. yeah you know what i mean like yeah. like is there a kombucha company that's trying to do the same thing that's owned by pepsi secretly and we don't yes there definitely is right yeah. like it doesn't so so for me it's it's enlightening in that way but it's also just deeply endearing mm -hmm. it's like it's like something that no one else can control for you like if you own a 16 print no one else has that it's yours that thing exists on its own as an item it's not ethereal it's not digital it's not copyable it's just that it's here it's it is here it, almost it's tangible else. that's yeah. right it's tangible as a, as a thing and so i think that that um that's deeply endearing to me as a like person who appreciates the real world far more than the metaverse right, right? yeah right like the anti-nft 
culture that like I, I feel like that's this is as anti NFT as it gets. Yeah, straight from them to you, right? Right, Creator exactly. To you. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And animation fits into that so well too, right? Right. Because like animation itself is so much fucking work. Like that's yes. what it always gets to me about watching these is that like someone cared so much and it felt so hard to yeah. put this together. Yeah. And it's like it doesn't have like I feel almost an obligation. It's like, well I have to watch this because they right. cared so much. Like who yeah. am I to, to say like, oh it's not even worth watching. Right. Like it took you know, I don't know how many hundred hours exactly. to put that together. It's like that's worth it. Like that's still worth it. Absolutely. Know? Man. It's absolutely. Wild. Totally. Totally. That's absolutely right. Alright. Well you've got a showtime coming up here. So yeah. I really appreciate your no? Not that place. Uh, no, we, we do we do really appreciate your time. Thanks. Yeah, I, I appreciate so cool. you guys coming out. I appreciate no, we, you we, we uh, this covering show. this thing. I think no one else will. I appreciate it. <laughs> hey, we'll see if we can't get it some likes. But uh, thank you. Excellent. Time. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate